0: Welcome to The Highway to Well. Today, we're talking with Maggie Goff, President, Founder, and CEO of Realize Wellbeing. Maggie works with individuals and companies to revolutionize their wellness pathways and encourage people to fulfill their well-being through restoration and increasing potential. In this episode, Maggie and I close out 2020 and usher in 2021 by discussing the adventures she captures on her Instagram story, how we can evolve wellness to encompass the whole person, and we discuss the majesty of presence and stillness. As we embark on a new year, we have the opportunity to breathe, recover, and celebrate each day as a gift of wonder. Thank you again for listening. Let's let the healing begin. Welcome back to Highway to Well. Today, we're talking with Maggie Goff, President and Founder and CEO of Realize Wellbeing. I think I got all that correct, right? Sure. That's Excellent. Awesome. And so, Realize Wellbeing, what I love, I love what your how you describe what that what your strategy is there with with your company, and that it's a revolutionary approach to wellness, and that every person is worthy of a thriving life. And that centered around the wisdom mind from our personal starring roles in Life's shit show, which is absolutely about the best descriptive way of thinking about your work. And and I wanna I wanna tell you just as we as we start to dive into this highway to well episode, is that your Instagram story, I honestly feel like it should be recorded and built into some site. Some kind of a situational comedy type model. It should be given to the world to just watch how your life evolves and and how you you roll in your message of wellness into like these everyday functions of living and trying to get through life in a way that's that's tied to you know your core values. But obviously with the um, the the comedy of what life can bring and the the opportunity that you give yourself to feel and reflect and and share all of this with uh, the community of people that follow you and and i also i also want to take a note on that when you also post so in in addition to your instagram story feed i you have these nuggets of wisdom that you're dropping that are are you'll that are Wellness moments of complete pleasure in my brain. So, and when I say that, I mean I think there were at least a couple I made a note about that I wanted to share with you. And one of them, you said, "Hustling for your well being is like chasing your worthiness from others." It was never something that could be taken away. And I had to read that about two or three times before I, I let it sink in and think, like, yes, like that is an incredibly important point to make and yet it sounds so simple but you start thinking about it and it, it deeply tied to to my core values and, and it spoke to me and then also you said you are not here to become obedient to someone else's version of a healthy life you're free to design the life of your dream and i think in, in our field we get lost in trying to order a or create a an environment where everyone can have somewhat of the same experience. And that isn't always helpful, let alone it may not even be the proper way to do things. And we'll well, I'm sure we'll talk about that as as we go through what you're doing. But as we embark on kind of the end of an experience and the start of a new year here. And um I'm just fortunate to have the chance to talk to you today about that. But I wanted to throw a couple of these things out there for you to discuss because I I want you to talk about what you've gone through over this past year and also talk to us about how you've been, you're weaving your ideas about wellness into the fabric of of this, of this uh, experience and, and what we can kind of look at and think about for ourselves.
1: Yeah, that's it's really interesting, and I'm I'm glad to hear that you enjoy Instagram so much. I mean, I think anybody who tries to um, develop any kind of social media presence will tell you that there are days that it's just a complete soul suck. So I'm glad that you know at least you're watching and, and noticing and it's meaningful because. You know, you just, you put yourself out there and then your whole world becomes about like how much engagement you're getting, which interestingly is not different from what we do in corporate wellness, right? Like we want to, to curate this experience for people um, and, and we measure so much of what's happening in, in engagement, right? Or health outcomes and, you know, life is so much more dynamic than that. Life is so much more complex than that, than a like on Instagram or then, you know, participation in a program. Like we cannot, we cannot begin to measure the, the current of goodness that comes from the work that we're doing. And yet we've, we've done this to ourselves a little bit in corporate wellness, you know, like we've shot ourselves in the foot because well, not all of us, but so much of the work that we have to do is about cost containment, right? Like if we just boil it down to what the whole system is about is cost containment and it just doesn't do justice to To the wholeness of our life experience, and so you know, five years ago, the reason I started realize well being is because my life was a dumpster fire on every front. Like my marriage was a mess, my motherhood was not uh, nourishing, and my career was not meaningful to me, and. Like I was a well-being expert and I had zero amount of well-being on any front. And it you know it's it's a real reckoning when you think the things that I created, nothing that I have ever created would be meaningful for me now. So you're like, what are like what are we doing for people? Is this meaningful help? In essence, you know, we set goal lines in corporate wellness for other people. And essentially, like at that time in my life, I didn't need, I didn't need achievement. I needed restoration. I didn't need another goal line to get to, to perfect my own behavior. I needed somebody to say like, hey, you're doing a good job and you're going to be okay right? And I had people in my life who were that for me, but that was not the model of well-being that I myself had given to hundreds of other people. And I thought, wow, you know, we joke like adulting is hard. Like, it is hard. And the other thing that we do in corporate wellness is, and, and, and not just corporate wellness, like all wellness is there's a version of yourself that you should become. There's who you are now. And your job to become well is to perfect your own behavior through strategic growth to become the version of yourself that has well-being, that has wellness. So that does two things. It separates for us from our own well-being right out of the gate. Like It's not even a thing we have. It's something we have to hustle for. And the second thing is, it suggests that well-being occurs in a vacuum where only our own behavior matters. And that's just not true. Like, you can have a bad boss. You could have, you could need help in your marriage. You could have a child with special needs. All of these things impact your well-being, right? Right. And so, you know, I think for me, coming back to my Instagram story and integrating this method into my own life is I'm actually doing it. Like my own life has become my own inspiration for a new message because I myself wanted a better way to think about my well-being than I than I knew or could even give and that I couldn't find anywhere else, right? So You know, my Instagram stories are really, you know, me just coming to terms with this new model of well-being, this new way to conceptualize well-being, where our well-being is like a light that we hold inside of ourselves, and it can be amplified or diminished on any given day, on any given moment, and our job is to respond to and nourish that light, Right? So um, here's an example. I actually was going to post about this on my stories today. Um, that I was, it's the end of the year. I'm closing out my books, and it's 2020. There's a global pandemic, which, by the way, talk about things that might impact your well being that are not in your control. And I received a small business loan from the government. And it was how I stayed afloat this year. So I emailed my accountant because I'm not an accounting expert, like on any level. So I basically have to ask her how to do everything. And I said, how do I record, how do I qualify this loan in my books? And she emailed back and she said, that would be a long-term liability. And I I cracked up because... (laughs) I was like, can all of 2020 just be coded like a long-term liability in our books this year? And the funny thing is she emailed back and answered my question as if like great. And I was like, no, no, that was just a joke. I don't, you know, and then she responded and said, yes, that's true. Like 2020 should just be written off somewhere, you know? But I mean, that's what, for me, it's like being playful and having some silliness in the midst of realizing that you took on a long-term liability this year is, you know, a way to respond to your own well-being in the moment. So, um, yeah, my stories. This is me living into this new concept and giving people a way to articulate it in their own lives.
0: Well, it, it's incredibly entertaining, and it's. <laughs> And it and it exposes though, and, and you're talking about it as if your journey was in a way like a precursor to the journey the rest of us were about to face, because 2020 delivered literally everything at the same time, and it it is um, it's become a series of different apexes and roller coasters of of emotions and security and um but the one the common theme in that is that it it removed our ability to really plan for anything in a linear fashion and so it forced us to take a step back and and learn a few things and and i think you're you're prepared for that in in a lot of ways by having gone through do that and you are and, and your voice has been this one in the field for a while is, has been um, absolutely out in the forefront of rethinking our conceptual ideas about wellness and well-being and in a lot of ways it isn't it's kind of a, a throwback to where we started in the first place in terms of why, why do we talk about this field? And as the, as the initial ideas of, of you know, the, if you look back at the work of like Don Ardell and Bill Hedler and Jack Travis and some of the people that were initially talking about the word wellness, it was, it was a holistic approach to our well-being. And it was, it was that we need to be mindful of the process to thriving. And, and so it was more than just talking about prevention. It was more than talking about cost containment. And then over time, well, we had, to, we had to figure out how to conceptualize this and how to, how to monetize it and how to organize it. And, and then we turned it into research and we turned it into corporate wellness that was built on a template of biomedical information that we can reduce healthcare costs. We figured out, oh, if we live well, maybe we can save some money. So we've been chasing this dollar figure, this return on investment forever, never seemingly have the right ideas about it. And, and and we've been chasing prevention and I had a podcast a few months ago with a a good friend of mine, Craig Becker, who talks a lot about saluted denics and talks about if we're talking, if we spend all of our time talking about prevention, we're just basically starting at zero. And we've just wasted all of our energy about talking about um, positive forward thinking about our, our process for success and, and really thriving. Because we spend all of our time trying to get the zero sum. And so and and where then I, I see your voice as this one that's coming in saying, this is about our everyday. So let's talk about thriving every day. And let's talk about what that means and, and and moving well-being into that arena that gets out of these biomedical, clinical, physical aspects of wellness, and we start talking about more about our social and emotional well-being and talking about connections and, and our mind-body-spirit connection and and what it's like to raise a family and what it's like to worry about our career and what it's like to worry about um, whether or not we were, we're making all the best decisions our, by ourselves and our family and what can we do to maximize you know our time and what do we like to do and what makes us feel good and those are approaches that we... In our, I guess, in our drive to, mon- to, to build a structure around wellness, we've kind of lost the soul of it. And so, you know, and the work that you're doing is, is delivering that soul right back into the framework that we should really be building this around.
1: Well, that might be one of the nicest compliments I've ever received in my life. <laughs> Thank you uh-huh. for that. Um, yeah, you know i I started this business from a place where I knew that i I, mean, I did not have the answers. I knew that what we were doing didn't make sense to me. I could see that it uh, it lacked some soul um, I could see the ways that we were perpetuating harm. I could also see the way that even in the in the the ways that the industry talked about uh being serving companies that we weren't even delivering on that so it was like we were selling our soul to be able to have this business model that even wasn't working right and so I would go into these networking meetings and mostly older white men who were CEOs would say you know what do you do and we'd say this is what I do and I could tell you all the things we were doing wrong and first of all they were just like they would sometimes lean in and be like Thank you for saying that. I have felt that so long about the corporate wellness thing. I mean, we're just doing it because we were told, like, we had to do this to manage our insurance rates, right? And so they were like, but it's not working. And I was like, it's not working. And they'd say, well, what do you... What do you Like I had them, like I had them right there, but I didn't have the answers and I wasn't gonna be another person who could say that I could take a human being and fix them. Because at the very core, the fact that we keep having leadership that asks us to fix other people is what's wrong. It is not our job to fix other people. It is our job to be of service to other people. And so when we think about our well-being as a light, that can be amplified or diminished by things inside of our control and outside of our control, the systems that we exist in impact our well-being. And the workplace is probably the biggest system in most people's lives that impacts their well-being. And if as a leader, you don't care about that, then you don't need a wellness program to fix it. You will probably always have a crummy place for people to work. Like that's just fact. If you are somebody who cares about the system in which your people work, then you don't need for, to prove every outcome, right? When somebody comes into a health coaching conversation with me and they tell me that their son's best friend just died of an opioid addiction and that's not something they're going to say to anybody else, but I talk to them about how they can show up with their son. And I show them the Brene Brown empathy video, right? With the difference between empathy and sympathy, because the person was like, I'm I'm losing my son and I'm terrified that, that he's gonna go down the same path. Like, I can't, one, I can't divulge that conversation to the employer. Two, How do I qualify that? How do I qualify the fact that a month later, this woman came back into my office sobbing and saying, thank you so much. I left my son a note. This is what happened. This is where we went. Like, I can't tell you that she was more productive in her spreadsheets in the contracting department. But my presence there, that company's investment in my presence there was meaningful. Also, the company could have never forecasted that that would be a conversation that she would need support with, right? So the reason that we have boiled all of this down to cost containment in biometrics is because we needed something to forecast and to intervene with and to fix. And so we need leaders who are comfortable Honoring their own well-being and understanding that just like for them, they don't need somebody to fix them. They need somebody to honor their story, their complexity, their dynamic life, and to support that. Like that's what we need as human beings. And I was thinking last night, I was on a conversation a couple years ago with two men who've been in this industry for a very long time. And they kept saying to me, um, you know, we don't support fringe wellness. So they never, I I don't know why they felt that. I mean, I do, I suspect why they felt the need to say that to me is because they think I'm fringe. Now, through the course of our conversation, one of them said, look, let's be honest. These outcomes-based models, let's name them for what they are. Their cost containment. And I didn't have the words then, but I have them now. And what I wish I would have said was fine, if you want to have a system in work to manage finances and cost containment, then call it that. But when you wrap it in benevolence as corporate wellness, and subject people's bodies to your needs and cost containment. That is unethical. And that is what we have done. And we need to be the people who name it and fix it. Because that, was, that is wrong. It's just wrong. And I... So... For me, all of this work is about showing up differently in this space and serving people and just like I'm asking of leaders, trusting that this will be meaningful, life-giving work for myself and for others even if I cannot give you all the data.
0: Exactly. I, I think that is where we, I kind of think of the best way to get into this without spending a lot of time just diving through the history of, of as we've evolved this field into where we're sitting on it today, because I feel like what you're expressing is there is some kind of a, a guilt of, those of us who have been in the field that were or I should say maybe feeling boxed in by the parameters that are are being set by those who don't understand the purpose and and I mean that I mean that to say to your point where we build our template on a cost containment structure so if you talk about corporate wellness most of the time you're talking about biomedical approaches to cost containment and Medical solutions or medical um, uh, programming to help support physical health and well being. Okay. I don't disagree that that is an important part of a corporate structure in that, that you need to, if you can provide an on site nurse practitioner to a company that helps them with some medical needs. And you're servicing people in a very important way. I don't want to I don't wanna I don't want us to get go down the path of thinking that this that our ROI is is meaningless in that way. But we have to be clear when we talk about medical interventions, that's what we're talking about. And that is not wellness. That is a medical intervention strategy for cost and payment and appropriate in your spreadsheet. That way, make it clear that that's what it is. But what we're talking about in 2020 exposed a whole lot of things, and I I have gone through this year being incredibly excited about the opportunity to finally talk about wellness to people who are starting to understand that this is about helping people get through their everyday lives. That this is this does involve exercise sure it involves fitness absolutely but it isn't holy exercise it isn't holy nutrition it is about the mind body spirit connection and it is about those approaches that we've been we we initially built ourselves on 30 40 years ago and that we've lost our way down down some paths that have driven us away from from, from talking about those but you know as i was and we were talking about this before we hit recording about an article that uh, a good friend of mine, Brian McSeward, sent and and it was a list of so reflecting back on this year, what what did we learn? And if we go down this list, I I would beg anyone to try to come up with an ROI to any of these things. And on that list were how did how strong our friendships are was something that that we learned this year was incredibly important to us, how to let go of things, how to sit with discomfort, how to savor our alone time, how to press pause, how flexible we can be, how to unplug, and how to use creativity to reflect, whether that's writing, creating art, listening to music, reading, how to reconnect with our kids, and how to take leads. And and on that list, as I'm reading this list, I'm thinking is so if a wellness professional is in the field and trying to do what I can for a company, how would I quantify that to a manager and say, if you're if none of these are on your list, you're not doing it right? And how many leaders will look at that list and say, you know what? If every one of my employees agreed with this, I probably have the best employees I could have. They're probably working hard because they believe in what they're doing, but they also have a, a pursuit of wellness that I, kind of, I want them to appreciate and understand and not diminish that because they work for me. I want them to maximize these things because they work for me. And that right there gets to the point of what you're talking about is, is where we feel like we have to justify and quantify approaches that, let's be clear, are meaningful, we know they are but they may not be able to show that meaning in a spreadsheet accordingly and and here we are today having those discussions
1: well and you know i think for those of us who who appreciate this mindset around wellness like i saw this pandemic coming and i thought oh this is going to do some work on us. You know, I remember like in March, everybody like saying like, everything needs to go back to normal. And me thinking, mm, I mean, I don't, I don't want people to die. Right. If right. we could have gotten to this some other way that did not cost, have the human toll that it did, you know, and, and I want to have reverence to the amount of suffering that has occurred, but I also want to say that 2020 forced or opened, opened is a better word, a pathway for those of us in the industry to have better conversations in this regard um, about this more holistic sense of, of livelihood because like when... You've got people working from home, either in isolation or with what felt like a million children in your household while you were trying to work. You know, um we saw I think somewhere around a million women left the workforce this year because women are still stuck in old uh, cultures in their household where they maintain the majority of the housework and the child raising and you cannot work full time in a pandemic with your children in your house, um, without support. So, you know, that was not a time that managers or human resources or wellness directors felt like that they could say, Hey, you know, don't forget to get your blood pressure checked right? Like it, there was nowhere for that to fit that traditional model of your health is a, your health is accountable to the organization just wasn't going to fly. No one had the tolerance for it. And I don't doubt that there were some organizations that kept up with that model, but I know that a lot of them did say like, we're not, we're not going to do all of that this year, right? Like, Everybody just needs to be safe. So I think that it allowed for us to say to organizations, here's some better ways in which you can serve your employees right now. And it did a lot. I saw a lot more wellness people, uh, human resource directors say, help me help these people, which was a different conversation than help me get to cost containment. So you know, I'm, I'm glad for that awakening that occurred in the midst of this devastation that our job as employers really is to create a healthy system through which people can flourish. Um, and trust that when we create that, that they will take good care of themselves, Right. Um so I think that what was interesting for me is that the my message of restorative well-being of realizing well-being right here right now became necessary so where I was where I could be easily labeled as fringe before I have HR knocking at my door saying help us with this we don't know how to do it and so that to me is a signal of a shift and this one particular offering that I literally just call it's restorative well-being self-care pandemic style i've had about 20 clients 20 companies go through this And I've had about five of them asked to book it again. And the feedback has just been like this. This was what we needed to hear. And the essence of that message is where we started this recording, this podcast, was we have to stop making well-being about achievement only, about an end goal only, about a new, better version of yourself, because 2020 and 2021, like, they're the boss. They're the boss of everything. And our job is not to create strategic growth right now. Our well-being relies on our ability to tap into our resilience um, and to, f- to find ways to restore ourselves on a daily basis right? It doesn't mean that strategic growth and achievement are never on the table. It means it doesn't make sense for right now. And the wellness industry loves for all of us to believe that we're just not good enough, whether it's in corporate or somewhere else. So you're not good enough. We have the solution to get you to where you want to be. In this model, It's you're good enough, take a breath, be curious about what you need in this moment so that you can show up again tomorrow. That's what we needed in 2020, and it's what we will continue to need for 2021. Because when the clock strikes midnight, tomorrow on new year's eve it's not a do-over we're not waking up from groundhog day like we have a long way to go and when we get everyone vaccinated when we get this thing under control wow we're all gonna need a moment to breathe right we're gonna need some recovery time from what we've been through and Nobody right now needs to become a better version of themselves. That's,
0: there are a lot of things that are packed into my brain, just surrounding all the different things that you were just talking about. And that there's... um there's something about the approach, and I you hit on it earlier that there's a certain reverence for the tragedy of what we've seen this year, and then there's the opportunity of what the conversation can look like today. And when you talk about wellness moving forward, what we're really talking about is in large part, our resiliency in navigating our environments in a successful and healthy way. And that brings to mind, I just read a report about the, there was a study done over of, of, of a meta-analysis of 174 different studies on what's the most important aspect to our happiness. And it was psychological flexibility. And and when we say that, what we're talking about with flexibility is that we're open to experiences, that we can experience difficult thoughts without ruminating on them, that we can seek a broader perspective when we're faced with a challenge, and we continue to pursue our goals without setbacks, and we maintain contact with our deeper values, no matter what may transpire. And that was... The hard lesson of of this year was that in the the only way we are going to survive is if we are flexible, and the only way that we're going to come out in in with our our soul and our well being intact is if we were able to, what to stay true to our values, and, and that's that gets into what we're this kind of pausing of this life, allowing us to assess better what our needs are. But, and, I, and this is what I, I, I don't want us to think that this is a pandemic approach to wellness. What it really is, is the pandemic opened up the conversation for us to really talk about it. Like you said, that we don't need to be in a race to have our best self in front of us. Well, we what we need is to survive and thrive are the tools to navigate this experience. And to do that, then we need to rethink a lot of our approaches when we talk about wellness. What are we really talking about? And what are we advocating? And what are we teaching? And what are we implementing so that we can provide people with those skill sets and those tools? You know, and... And sure, we can think about it in terms of the strategic approach, but it's also as simple as understanding the pathway to happiness is that flexibility to to find to find the route to the connection between what we're experiencing and what makes us happy. Um, and you know, getting back to one of the things that I, I I will say that I enjoyed most about your Instagram feed this year was your camping trip. Which, as we talked about, seemed like a perfect microcosm of like this full, like you want a full throttle 2020 wellness experience, you and and your family going on a camping trip and being completely. I don't know if it felt like, I mean, I'm sure it felt like, but every step, it felt like you were just digging a deeper hole until you got somewhere safe. And so, yeah.
1: Yeah. (laughs) Well, so a little bit of backstory for the audience. So I was like, okay, Thanksgiving, Christmas, New Year's Eve, like, um, this is in September, October. I'm looking forward. I'm thinking, this is going to be hard. You know, we had made a decision that we would stick with our uh, household family only that we were not going to and and so this is me like practicing a little bit of what I need. What I needed was to make some decisions early so that I had a sense of control for myself. Um which is okay to sometimes have a sense of control for yourself. I knew that um so so I sat down with my husband and I said okay, you know, let's decide now so that we're not trying to figure this all out 2 days before Thanksgiving and on through the holiday season so we made our decisions we talked to our family about it so that we could deal with any emotional fallout from the boundaries we were going to set um and and then I said to my husband like we got to get out of here you know we got to uh safe travel we we are outdoorsy people so I decided we would camp I spent hours doing research on where we could camp we in, in Cincinnati and uh, where we could camp that we would not freeze to death at night. I've got little kids um, and, and it would be enjoyable. And so I found this place hunting beach, South Carolina. So after Thanksgiving, this was like our big told the kids, we're not going to have Thanksgiving the way it's going to be, but we're going to go on this camping trip, something to look forward to in 2020. And yeah, from there, it was like a comedy of errors. And we're not unprepared camping people. This is something we do, but it was just like one thing after another and all like, so first of all, the weather in this part of South Carolina is normally this time of year or when we went like highs in the low seventies, lows in the mid fifties and sunny, and so I'm looking at this weather about two or three weeks out and it's disastrous. Like it's going to be thirties, highly windy and rainy. And I'm like, okay, it's the weather. It's going to change. I can, I what psychological flexibility. This is going to be okay. I, you know, I don't have to panic about this. I have never seen weather that did not budge like this, like ever in my life. And so we get down there and um, finally like the weather budges a little bit. It was cool. It was rainy, but it was going to clear up and it was going to get colder, but at least we wouldn't be wet. Right. So we go to bed that night. Uh, It's not supposed to rain at all anymore. At 430 in the morning, the skies just open up like And I get out my phone and I check my weather app and it's supposed to just pour for the next like three hours. So we just all lay there, me and my husband and my three kids, we just lay there silently in our tent for like an hour. Can you imagine? And so finally after about two hours, the kids start stirring and we're talking and all of a sudden my daughter goes, my my face is getting wet. And so there's only so much water a tent can take, like even the best tents. And we were on an island. And what I learned about islands is that they do not absorb water. They become saturated really quickly. So I unzip the tent and I look outside and my hiking boots, which are heavy, because they're solid hiking boots, are floating outside our tent and the water is rising. And so I was like, got to get out of this tent. So we get our kit. We get ourselves out of the tent. We get into the car. We make it. Uh, our car. The the battery was dead, and we had a flat tire. Like it was every. It was t- like twenty twenty is the boss of everything. You can't. You cannot plan for a good time in twenty twenty. It will show you who's boss. So anyway, long story short, we ended up um, getting the on duty camp ranger to come jump our car they were able to fill our tire and we went and got some coffee the sun broke we were able to pack up our camping gear and let it dry out a little bit and as a true this is another like this is 2020 even though 2020 is boss somebody will show up and be a blessing to you right So my in-laws called and said, we're watching your story on Instagram. We're so sad for you. Can we please get you an Airbnb? And so we were able, thanks to technology, we were able to book an Airbnb on the road home. Um, You should use, I'll send you my picture of me disheveled after packing everything up. And you should use that for your, to promote the podcast. (laughs) It was, it was, It was 2020 in a nutshell. I mean, I just wanted to do something nice and to take care of our own well-being. But I'll tell you, by the end of that, I was so, so deeply exhausted. I needed a vacation for my vacation in the worst way. But yeah, I mean, I think this is what we're talking about. Like, we can have the perfect laid plans for well-being but it's not always going to go the way that we think. Things outside of our control can impact our well-being also. And so we show up in service to people, but it doesn't always mean that the intervention that we think is going to work is going to be the thing that's going to that somebody else needs, right? Because of the complexity and dynamics in their own life. And this is really what it means for us as practitioners to walk this journey with other people is to allow for ourselves to to know that just like us, the things that we need for our well being are the things that other people need to, and we need to hold that psychological flexibility in our work because other people's lives aren't here to ensure that our work is meaningful, right? Other right. people's health outcomes or their well being outcomes. Aren't the purpose of our work? The purpose of our work was to support somebody on their way.
0: Yeah, I there. There's a couple of things that I keep thinking about, and you know, and your story. Well, it was entertaining, and um, the result was positive for you, you and your family. I I keep, I and mean, I've had these discussions over. The past few months with a lot of people and i'm you know trying to find common themes of what what I feel like that's experienced and probably i mean it's safe to say and, and I know in retrospect that you know we're we're currently in a twenty twenty unlike any other year, and maybe not since y two k have we looked forward to or been um thinking about the turn of a year as much as we have for this year for so many different reasons. Um, but I keep coming back to the, there's kind of two, two ideas. And one is that above all else 2020 has given us permission to feel. And I don't think that we respected that prior to 2020. And I, and I just mean and I'm being and I'm definitely throwing a generalization out there, but I just think the pace of everything didn't allow for us to give ourselves permission to feel because we always had to act and we just had to continue to act and act and act and act, and then we build up ourselves into a series of actions, and sometimes that becomes what we feel like our personality is. It's just a set of actions and not so much about the set of feeling and So this year is giving us the chance to pause and reflect on that. And then the idea of of presence is a challenging subject for a lot of us because we have been rushed, we have been busy. We're parents of kids who have school and sports and we have our jobs and we have our family and we have all these obligations that are are keeping us busy. And uh, one thing that 2020 has delivered to us is, in a lot of ways, unbusyness and stillness. And, so, and I've been reading a lot of, of John O'Donohue lately, um, an Irish poet and philosopher, and, uh, I just, and I just started reading a book of his. It's a series of blessings, and it's called The Blessed Space Between Us, and it has a lot of different blessings for a lot of different um, events or things that your life is about, whether you're um, as a blessings for a, a new job, as a blessings for a birth of, of a family member or um, a marriage or um, the loss of, of someone passing. And, mm-hmm. um, but what I love is that what I, I love reading more about where he's coming from with regards to what a blessing really is. And, and I think there's something to be said about that moment of presence in there. And he, and he talks about blessings and that we're given the gift of this world. And that really is our first blessing. And we, we've kind of lost we've lost that by creating an environment where it's hard to get to that inner quiet life that shines in us. And, and you, you were talking about the light early on in our podcast about our wellness being our light and this light illuminates our minds to beauty and our seeking possibility and our hearts to love life and without this we'd be empty and tired and and we'd be stuff. so when he talks about blessings he's talking about that as, as a light that enables us to recognize and receive the very present here and it, and because of that, it, it evokes this warmth and protection and connection because it's something you're sharing. The blessing is, a, I mean, it's something you're reading and you're thinking about, but it's a blessing to share with people and to, and to give them a chance to build this connection, this emotional connection, other than the event of what's happening is to share what it feels like to be together um, celebrating this. And, and because of that, that's, that's that connective tissue and webbing that holds us in communion with each other, which above all else, I think, is one of the most important aspects. And you keep seeing people talk about connection as a primary focus of our lives and a source of our happiness and our well-being. And maybe that's the great lesson for us in 2021, is that we needed our presence to be restored. And like you talk about your restoration and, and the whole concept of, of how you're sharing wellness in, in a way that's sharing the grace of wellness. And, and that's, that soul part of it that we've lost and kind of smothered in, 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 um, in an environment that demands, you know, materialism or, um, how we've built kind of structures that, get rid of our emotions about things in a lot of ways and that's what we want to try to recover and that that we've learned in this year how fragile everything is and how our best laid plans could be (laughs) or not and we have to be adjustable to that we have to be flexible to that and how our security is disarmed and how does that feel for us and how how can we manage that and in our in our rush. Maybe that's, that's the important part of this, is to understand our gift of being present. And so I just want to read his blessing. He wrote a blessing on presence. So I just want to read this and, and then get your thoughts and, and talk about how we're going to usher in 2021 in a better way. But this is his blessing for presence. Awaken to the mystery of being here and enter the quiet immensity of your own presence. Have joy and peace in the temple of your senses. Receive encouragement when new frontiers beckon. Respond to the call of your gift and the courage to follow its path. Let the flame of anger free you of all falsity. May warmth of heart keep your presence aflame. May anxiety never linger about you. May your outer dignity mirror the inner dignity of your soul take time to celebrate the quiet miracles that seek no attention be consoled in the secret symmetry of your soul may you experience each day as a sacred gift woven around the heart of wonder it expressive in, in a way that I know I, and, I, and I said this to you earlier that when I read it in the context of like life right now, it is like hearing your inner soul be awake, this awakening of the things that you're feeling and, and that does the, the undergrowth of life prior to COVID um, smothered that idea of being Present, because we didn't process. We didn't have time. We have time, and that has brought me on so many occasions here to just hear a song differently, to look at nature around me differently when I'm out running, to look at the sky and feel different about everything, and try to try to measure these these pieces of feeling. Fortunate for where I am and trying to negotiate that with, with everything around us. And so I, it's, it is, uh, his work is just one of those timely pieces that, are, that speaks, I think, to this place we're at.
1: Yeah. Well, and you asked me to think about, you know, what does that lead us to in 2021? And I think that what you just described for yourself, getting in tune with your own needs for your own well-being and your own presence has not been stagnant. You have not been outside of growth. It's what I call passive growth. So I think, you know, we have this addiction to achievement in our culture, which keeps us busy and keeps us striving. Um, But we've been over-functioning in it for far too long. And what you, the, it seems to me that our collective fear is that our presence or stillness will lead us to stagnation to nothingness. But there's a depth that we can uncover that is so deeply rich and meaningful to our growth and, and, this is the work that I'm talking about. It's, you cannot exist in achievement all the time. You have to have periods of restoration in your life. And we don't have a society that's designed for that. But like one of the Instagram posts that you mentioned at the beginning of this podcast, we are all free to design the life that we know to be best for us we don't have to meet everybody else's goal lines for our health for our parenthood for our relationships for anything for our finances we we can be present and still and receive the nourishment of those moments that will lead us to a more sustainable growth versus just chasing everyone else's idea of a good life. And here's, here's what I really see happening. Your experience with that type of restorative well-being this past year allows you to lead that work with other people that transformation, and this was mentioned in the blessing, becomes a gift to others. That self-presence became a light that you share in the world, right? And I think that what I'm hearing from so many people who lead this work alongside of us, when we talk about restorative well-being, is for them to say, I needed that. I thought I was bringing you in to talk to them, but I needed that. And what we have to remember as leaders is that our needs are informative to our leadership with others. So when people feel like they're struggling, they believe they're failing And then they push on the gas harder. They strive harder. But in reality, when they're struggling, most likely so is everyone else around them. And real leadership is the ability to understand what's happening and to respond to it, not just for yourself, but for those around you. It's not to just keep... Leadership is not just... Keep pushing everybody and pushing everybody to greater and greater and greater distances. It's to be able to be wise about the needs and the potential in others and to serve that. That is leadership. And so the work that you've done for yourself this year and your own well being has been transformative for you. And I have no doubt that it will continue to amplify those that you serve in your work, in your well-being work.
0: Well thank you for drawing some light on that. I I think that I think that's the hope that we that we share going into this next year and that the lessons of you know, we've had the chance to apply the things that we know to ourselves. And in a way, then it's affirmed the things that we feel and believe. And now our job is to, as as you say, you know, to lead and to encourage leadership in a way that, just building potential, not directing traffic, but building potential. And if that is the fingerprint of what 2020 has left for us, then I, I think we may get somewhere. I think we may start to arrive at better places. And I think there's a collective swell of a, of a bunch of people looking around wanting that light to be shown and then for them to have that opportunity to cultivate what they need to to help get there and and help others. I think we're starved for a collective, um, like an emboldened collective of people that are sharing values and sharing the same ideas and and that environment's right. And so my hope is that we're, we don't miss that opportunity and we kind of fall back on what, like I think you said it earlier, like can we just go back to where we were? I don't want us to. We, we've come too far. We've learned too much. We've tested ourselves. And I think we're ready to, to grow in a more meaningful way. And if that's what we've learned, then then that's what we've
1: learned. Amen. It's like we've been um, seeds in the ground. Mm -hmm. And there's a time that's just to be still and to receive. And then you will slowly emerge. And you will be fragile. And you won't feel like you're blossoming right away because you won't be, but that's the part, it's part of the process. Right. And um, yeah, I think I feel hopeful for 2021, not that we will immediately return to what it has been, but that uh, we have, will have gone through passive growth and received in that in that stillness.
0: And if we do that, then we've gotten a lot closer to the restoration that we're all seeking. Yes. Yeah. Well, Maggie, thank you for your time today and for sharing not only your ideas about wellness and how we can better ourselves, but also a glimpse into what it's like to be Maggie and roll with the punches and arrive at, at a better place through, through whatever 2020 is delivering at your doorstep.
1: Yeah. I love being on your podcast. Thank you for inviting me back.
0: Yeah. Well, thank you. And I'm sure in a few months we'll check in again and see how our our stillness and our growth is coming along here in 2021.
1: That sounds good.
0: All right. Well, you have a wonderful new year with your family. Stay safe and we will, um, we will talk again soon.
1: Very good.